praise the one who paid my debt, who raised this life up from the dead. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you were once dead and that Jesus raised you from the dead? I mean, think about what Paul tells us in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, walking according to the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the, pres- in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of, he- of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of, his, of the great love which he had for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13, Paul says again, And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. It goes right along with the chorus that we sang. We were dead. Do we really believe we were dead, though? <laughs> do we believe we were dead, or do we think we were really not all that bad? It took an act of God to save us. It took, it took God's power and His Word to save us. We are saved through hearing the gospel of Jesus and he opens our eyes and we see its beauty and we repent of our sins and we turn to following him. Another New Testament picture here is in the when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, he'd been sick and Jesus delayed coming to see him. And he got there and Lazarus had been dead for four days. He began to stink. And Jesus said, roll away the stone. They didn't want to do that. They knew what was behind there. (laughs) They rolled away the stone. They obeyed what Jesus said. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And he came out. That's what it was like when you got saved. That's what it was like, because Jesus spoke to you. You heard the voice of the shepherd, and you followed him. Jesus works by his word from the very beginning. John tells us, you know, Jesus, the word was with God, and the word was God. Everything that was made was made through him. And we think of the creation story. We think of how God spoke. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be. And everything obeyed Jesus. Everything obeyed the Lord. At His Word, He spoke and everything came into existence. And He brings us to life with His Word. 
picture of this that we see in the Old Testament is Ezekiel chapter 37. We know it is the valley of dry bones. You may know the song, the hip bones connected to the leg bone. <laughs> Let's read our text from Ezekiel 37, beginning in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and, you will, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and will cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you will live. You shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them. And skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are all indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It has power. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word is working even now in ways that we don't even know, we can't see, we can't even feel. But your word is at work. It will never return void. Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, and eyes to see, and a heart to obey. 
Father, I pray that you would be with me. I have no power to coerce any kind of conversions. I have no power to do anything on my own. I just proclaim what you tell me. I proclaim your word. And you do the work. I pray that you would do that tonight. I pray that you would do that going on from tonight. That those of us who are here would be enlivened, revived, and we would go out and proclaim this same message that brings life from the dead. Father, I pray that you would give me strength and give me grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. First, Ezekiel says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst in the middle of the valley. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Now that didn't just mean, I mean, that that God's power was on him. No, no, no. Uh, Ezekiel is saying the the hand of the Lord grabs me, picks me up and puts me down in a valley. Uh, Ezekiel didn't know how he got there. <laughs> the Lord just grabbed him and put him there in the valley. His power was filling him, and the Lord shows him this vision. He shows him a vision uh, of a valley of dry bones. They were exceedingly dry. They were very, very dry. Uh, Ezekiel is shocked by how dry they are. Just imagine this. This is a, a battlefield. This is a battlefield where the the bodies were just left there because there was too many for them to clean up. And the bones had just sat there. And as the scriptures tell us in other places, the wild beasts and the birds came and picked away the flesh until they were just dry bones sitting there. And as we read in Deuteronomy and in the places in, in the covenant, that's one of the consequences that God says comes when this people break his covenant, that his people would be driven out and that they would be left for the dogs and the birds to clean up. Ezekiel sees this vision of these bones that were just, they were dead. They'd probably been laying there for decades. And the Lord says, Son of man. Notice that um, son of man. I mean, it can mean human being, but it's often the name that Ezekiel is called by the Lord, son of man. And it probably has connotations of the fact that that's what Jesus called himself in the New Testament. He called himself the son of man. And in some ways, Ezekiel was prefiguring the coming of Jesus. He says, Son of man, can these bones live? Well, imagine if you were in Ezekiel's situation. Someone takes you to a valley and you see all these dead bones that are all dry and ask you, can these bones live? And you think, of course not. Of course not. They're dead. They're dry. Just like whenever Jesus told them to move the stone. 
for Lazarus. And they said, well, he stinks by now. It's, only, it's been four days already. This is a lot longer than four days. Those bodies had been there for a long, long time to be as dry and as white as those bones were. But Ezekiel knew who was talking to him. Ezekiel answers, Lord God, you know. With God, all things are possible. While Ezekiel thought in his own mind, in his own flesh, I don't know what you will want to do, God. It doesn't look like to me that's something that can happen, but Lord, I know you can do anything. Only you know if these bones can live. So he said to me, son of man. Oh, I'm sorry. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I heard a story about uh, a preaching professor in his class. He would always take his class out to a cemetery. And he would have them stand there in front of a grave and preach. He said, that's what you're doing every Sunday. You're preaching to dead men. You're not just preaching to, to people who who are alive in Christ, but there are people there who are dead spiritually. They need the Word of God to come alive. When we see this here, every time we get in the pulpit, Chad, me, anybody who comes to preach, we got to remember we're preaching to dead people. We need Jesus. We need His Word to open up our eyes to bring life from the dead. The Lord tells Ezekiel to do what seems absurd. Prophesy to these bones. Are these bones going to listen to me, God? They're dead. How, what good is it going to do for me to prophesy to them? But he didn't, he didn't question God. He does what the Lord says. And notice also, he says, What he's supposed to say. Say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Again, we just, I, just like I said about Isaiah, Isaiah was given instructions, this is what you're going to say. Say to them, keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Keep on hearing, but do not hear. God told him exactly what he was supposed to say. Hear. Ezekiel has exactly the same kind of thing. He said, the Lord tells him, this is what you're going to say. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you. I will cause flesh to come upon you. I will cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. He's not just going to animate a bunch of skeletons. 
But those skeletons are going to come together and they're going to, they're going to have all the, the flesh come upon them. They're still going to have all the, of the skin come upon them. God will put breath in them and they will live. And they will be conscious. He says, you will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel, he's no dummy. If God's telling him to do this, even though it seems absurd, even though it seems like it's impossible, he's going to do what the Lord said. So he says, so I prophesied as I was commanded, as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. You think Ezekiel was surprised? There was a sound. There was a, a great rushing wind. There was a, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. You could hear the bones just clicking and clicking and coming together. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. The flesh came upon them and the skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. I wonder why. You know, the best explanation I have is it's kind of modeling what happened in Genesis chapter 2 when he created Adam. What, had, what did God do whenever he created him? He formed him out of the earth first, and then he breathed the breath of life into him. There's two stages. In the same way, here, Ezekiel, he preaches and the bodies come together. And then we see in the latter part, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. They came together as bodies, and the breath of God, just like he breathed into the nostril of Adam, came into these bodies that had been skeletons just a few minutes ago. And they lived, and they stood up, and they were a great army. Ezekiel probably wondered, what does this mean, God? What does this mean that you would show me this? And the Lord explains to him in the next verses. Then he said to me, verse 11, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Remember, Isaiah was prophesying because the Assyrians and then later the Babylonians were going to come in and they were going to wipe out Israel first and then Judah. And God had promises to these people. He had promised them to bless them. He had promised that they would have a seed that would one day you know, bless all nations. They, they, uh, they, he promised them that, that David would have a son that would sit on his throne forever. And they were wondering, how in the world is God going to fulfill these promises if he's come in and destroyed our nation? And the people had lost hope. Still in verse 11, it says, Behold, they say, our bones have dried up, our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Israel had lost hope. 
They said, our bones are dried up. And it's probably just an expression saying, we don't know what God's going to do. We've lost hope. We don't know how he's going to fulfill his promises when we are cut off as a nation. And God promises revival. God promises that he will bring his people back to life. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves. Prophesy, um, I'm sorry, therefore prophesy and say to them, that's talking about Israel. He's got enough of the prophecy to do now. At first he prophesied to the bones, now he's going to prophesy to Israel. Now he's saying, prophesy to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you to the land of Israel. They had been taken away into captivity. They had been taken away into into, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's court, into Babylon. And God tells them, I will raise you up out of your grave and bring you back to the land that I promised to Abraham. I will bring you back to Israel, the land of of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. I will open, when I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Did God literally raise up Israel out of their graves? Why? know about this was it just a vision that Ezekiel had or or was it a real tangible place I don't know the answer to that but Jesus the Lord did raise up his people again while he had destroyed them he'd taken them off to Babylon he kept his promises Cyrus the king later sent them back, told them they could rebuild the walls, rebuild the temples. They returned to the land and God kept His promise. Verse 14, the Lord also says, And I will put My Spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it declares the Lord. If God has spoken, He will do it. You know, some people, you've heard, heard it said, God said it, I believe it, and it's going to happen, you know. God said it, He will do it. There's no, I believe it. <laughs> you don't need that, I believe it. God said it, it's going to be done. And he tells them, I will put my spirit within you. And what happens when Jesus comes and He dies on the cross, He rises to life again, and He raises us up with Him, and He ascends to heaven, and He sends His Spirit. And all those who are part of God's people who have believed in Him from the day of Pentecost, they have His Spirit Within them. You and I, if we're trusting in Jesus, He has made us come from death into life. He has put His Spirit within us. We have the Spirit of God living in us. 
Now, what are we to make of this? Well, let's look at it corporately first. In our Southern Baptist Convention, um, I'm told, I've heard the statistic that we close 900 churches a year. Um, and we're barely planting more churches than that. We're, we're barely keeping up at the rate of the churches that we close. And uh, I don't know if you realize this. You might think a lot of those might be little country churches that only have a couple people coming or something. But actually, the cities, the cities are the most common places that they have churches that are closing. You've heard of dead churches. Uh, I, I'm excited. I'm here, I'm, I'm delighting of being here with you and with Chad, and, and it's been wonderful, and I have no suspicion at all that you're dead. <laughs> I, I'm not making any pointing fingers or anything like that. But, uh, you know, we always need to be on our guard. We're either moving forward, following Jesus, or we're dying. There's no standing still. And while things may be good and healthy right now, it only takes a sin to start leading us down the wrong path. Um, I pastored a church for a while that I'm no longer pastoring at. Um, and I was trying to do what we call church revitalization work. I was trying to help the people to see what we need to come from death to life is not doing a bunch of activities to try to have all kinds of, uh, of, of events to just draw people into our building and be a part of our programs. What we need is revival, like God sent, heaven sent revival. Because if all we want to do is do activity and, and busyness, then, and there's no repentance, there's no change in our heart or anything like that, then we might get people to come for an event or something like that, but they'll see the hypocrisy and they'll see all of the, the ungodly things and they won't want to stay. And there won't be, God won't bless that. When a church starts to go down that decline towards a death, the only answer is the Word of God preached. The Word of God preached to dry bones, which will bring revival, which will bring confession, which will bring transformation of the heart. That's what our churches across our denomination need, is heaven-sent revival brought on by the preaching of God's Word. And then individually. Think about it in terms of evangelism. When you're sharing the gospel with someone, remember, you're not just trying to convince someone to accept one of your arguments. You're trying to lay out the gospel to a dead person, and the only thing that will cause them to believe 
is when the Lord opens their eyes. When the Lord gives them life. So that can actually be freeing in our evangelism. If we think it all depends on ourselves, if we think I've got to get the words just right, it can, it can paralyze us. And we might not even share the gospel at all because we're afraid, well, I just don't know what I should say. I just, I just. But if we have confidence, the power is in God's word. The power is in the Holy Spirit to be able to open up the eyes of the blind and to be able to raise the dead. That gives us confidence in evangelism. We don't have to worry. Well, if I don't just say the words just right. No, come be confident that God will do the work with his word. Share. It doesn't matter if you get it wrong. <laughs> well, it does. Don't teach heresy. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if, if, you, if you just are not. It was, Moses said he was slow of tongue. Just loose that tongue and pray, pray, pray for those who you share the gospel with. It's the Spirit of God that opens people's eyes. It's the Spirit of God that brings life. So don't just expect to just have a conversation with, it, with somebody without going into it praying. Praying that God would be present. That He would do the work. He's the one who does it. So we need to pray and ask Him to do the work. And then... I don't know. Chad said probably everybody in here is a believer, but if there's somebody here who's not a believer, I'm not going to try to twist your arm with some kind of emotional plea or anything like that because I know that God is the one that convicts. God is the one who opens eyes. I want you to know if you're lost in this room and you know that you haven't trusted in Jesus, there's a payday someday. There's a judgment coming. And whether you believe in God or not, He's real. And His, His Word is so powerful. Even though you might be resisting it right now. Even though you might want to run the other way. Even though you might want to just get up out of your seat and run out the back door. God is powerful enough. He is like the hound of heaven that will never let you go until he's got his man. And if you're a believer here, apart from evangelism, just remember you were once dead. That ought to cause us to praise him. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised my life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one paid my debt and raised my life up from the dead.